welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey guys! How are you? I'm doing well. The sun is shining. It's not raining, so I'm really excited. <laughs> I know, but I'm grateful for the April rain because the flowers are coming out. I know. I realize like how many of like the trees have bloomed all of a sudden. Yeah. And although my allergies don't like it, <laughs> my eyes do. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, this week on the podcast, we have Shannon Goldberg, who is the founder of Izzy Zero Waste Beauty. And I loved hearing from her. As a fellow FIT alum, it was so cool like to hear from her and how she started her company. And like, it's such a cool company, too. Yeah, I think the idea of decreasing waste so significantly in the beauty industry is so important. Totally. Um, and I'm really excited that we're having such a focus on sustainability this quarter. Yeah. And I think Shannon is the perfect guest to get that started with. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, obviously, the makeup industry is one of like the most not environmentally conscious at all because so much of it is disposable yeah um so i think like brands like is zero waste beauty are like doing such a good job at helping the industry like move into a better direction and i mean apart from the sustainability aspect too it was so interesting hearing about her journey you know from being a dancer to being a student at fit and then you know working for various skincare brands yeah and then moving to tampa and then like COVID happening and then just deciding to like get this brand started. Yeah, it's like her journey is so wild. I'm not going to spoil it, but you need to listen because she got to work with maybe one of the most well-known pop stars on the entire planet and her makeup line. And it's not like anybody you would think of, I don't think. And when I was hearing her talk about that, I was like, oh my gosh, like... Yeah, I never would have... <laughs> it's never my wildest dream just to interact with that person. But you got to listen to find it out absolutely oh i'm so tempted to to spoil it i know i just want to bust out into song i know <laughs> but yeah so um i think we should just jump into it because it's a really great episode yeah let's jump in hey everybody thank you podcast fans for tuning in Welcome to our fifth season of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Um, I'm very excited about our second quarter theme here um, at the show. The theme is sustainability. And this is a passion of mine. I was always that kid, that 10-year-old who was chasing after people, <laughs> asking them to recycle their tin cans and their aluminum cans and their paper. And um, we're better to try to impact change in consumer goods than in the beauty industry. We consume a lot of stuff, right? So um, I'm excited to bring you guests this quarter that are working hard to find a way to do better. So this guest today I'm very excited about. She is Shannon Goldberg, the founder and CEO of Izzy Zero Waste Beauty. Hi, Shannon. What's up, Jody? <laughs> How are you? Thank you so much for coming to the show and welcome. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Well, this is a really kind of um, fun moment because you and I first met each other 
I guess it was like right at the beginning of um, the COVID crisis. And we chatted by phone and I think LinkedIn brought us together. Um, so I want to go back to that conversation because it's super interesting. But I first have to ask like our most important podcast question. Since we're a career journey show, Shannon, uh, I like to go all the way back to the beginning. So channel your 10-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I love that. Okay, so I wanted to be a ballerina in New York City or a rockette. It was, you know, tough call. (laughs) And spent all of my early years dancing in the studio, super committed. And that was really my plan for the longest time. And then... Unfortunately, when I was 18, right before I was going to move to New York, got in a bad car accident and um, broke my back, my collarbone, lost my range of motion, everything. So dancing sort of, you know, fell out of the picture pretty abruptly. And for whatever reason, I applied to the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York as a plan B. And lo and behold, I just, I fell in complete love with that world, especially in New York City, the heart of all things fashion and glamour and beauty. And knew early on, um, even upon um, attending FIT, that I definitely wanted to get into their cosmetic and fragrance program for my bachelor degree. So that's exactly what I did. And back in those days, you had to interview to get into that program. And it was like thousands of applicants and only 23 would be picked. And I was one of them. I was so excited. (laughs) I was like, I am going to do this. I love makeup. I love cosmetics. It's so much fun. And really, that was my that was the beginning of it all. And FIT really sets you up in such a lovely way. They make sure you have a mentor and internship. And um, I remember my senior year, I was interning for Peter Thomas Roth. And at the time he was sort of in startup mode too. And he had just joined Sephora. And I remember being like 20 years old and Peter, this is crazy, bless his heart. He was like, you should make my holiday collection for Sephora. (laughs) And I remember like, me? Like, you trust me? I'm the intern. I have no idea what I'm doing, but let's go for it. And he, and this is really important. I want to say this out loud. You almost need that person to take a chance on you and believe in you early on, because it really does sort of give you permission to be successful and lets you know, like, yes, you can do this. Like, don't get in the way of yourself. You are that person. You can do this. So I remember that was really the beginning. And then the funny thing is, you know, fast forward 10 years after I got married and had kids, I actually went back to work for Peter as the head of marketing. Um, so let's see, I mean, since graduating college, I always sort of stayed in the whole, you know, startup uh, business and also family-owned businesses. That's really where I shine. And I think it's like the type A entrepreneur <laughs> who I am. I need full control. And I, I don't know if I would ever behave well in a corporate setting. So I always knew the ultimate goal was to launch a brand eventually of my own. So I really took the jobs where I had permission to be that person, whether it was the head of marketing or the head of branding. And um, that's sort of how my journey unfolded. I pretty much always stayed in skincare until just this year with Izzy, which is going into color, which is a first for me. Um, But really, I think, you know, one of the things that I really love about this business is people are passionate and that's what sets us apart is that we really love each other. We support one another. We support other brands and we're really in love with what we do. And it never feels like work because it's our passion. Shannon, let's go back to this tragic injury that um, really uprooted your goals. You seem like a super optimistic person to me. So I'm wondering at that time, and you were obviously quite young, how did you handle like the obvious shift from um, the goal that you had to finding a new goal? (sighs) I don't, 
I think as a person, I never take a lot of time to feel down. I'm one of those super agile people that's always on the go, always on the move and thinking 10 steps ahead. So as soon as it happened, obviously I had to take a pause because I was physically hurt. And I had a couple months of just, you know, sort of sitting in bed, not being super mobile and had a lot of time to think, but I knew without a doubt, I always wanted to be in New York. And I also like from the ballerina behind the scenes uh, point of view, loved getting made up into different characters. I loved doing my fellow ballerinas makeup. And I just, I love that whole animation and coming to life with the use of color cosmetics. So it seemed like a really natural um, shift for me at the time. And because FIT was so wonderful and I met so many great friends early on and classmates, it just seemed like it wasn't so bad. It, it, I didn't have a lot of time to be sad. It felt like this natural shift that I ended up like fully embracing. And of course I was sad deep down. It's hard to be in New York surrounded by dancers and actresses and people who are making it and people who live on a stage because that was always the goal. But I have to remember too, as a dancer, your career only lasts for so long. So I kind of always knew in the back of my head, the career would probably be over by the time of you know, reaching 30 years old anyway. So looking back, I'm just, I'm grateful that it all worked out. So uh, when you and I first chatted, it was right before you started this business. Um, it was a time of flux for you. I think you had um, just lost your job thanks to COVID. You moved your family from New York to Tampa. Yes. Um, and it was a really like monumental, meaningful conversation for me. And I'm curious, like, what do you remember about that conversation? Oh my gosh. I feel like you were a firecracker. You had this awesome energy. And it's true to your point. It was one of those, oh crap moments. I was at home in quarantine, like everyone else. I just lost my job or got furloughed from my job that I had just convinced my family to move from New York to Tampa, Florida of all places. We had no friends or no family here. So this was a, a crazy move that I just felt was the right move in my gut. And I remember wanting to start the business, being very close to starting the business. And you, I, I don't know if it was you or your assistant, someone reached out on LinkedIn, asked to set up a call, took the call. And it was like that firecracker moment that is so good when you're feeling down and you sort of, um, ignited the spark in me. And I, you had a million ideas to share, a million great ideas to share. And I remember you were just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you should think about this. You should do this. You should try this. And it was just so good. And I remember hanging up the phone being like, what just happened? And who is this amazing unicorn of a woman who's so smart and has so many amazing ideas? And I remember going down a Googling trail and like wanted to know everything about you and was just so happy we met. Um, and then I did go on to learn about you. And I just think you're the smartest, coolest lady out there. Well, um, <laughs> thank you for the praise. It's not exactly what I was looking for, <laughs> but I'll take it. Um, you know, what's so interesting to me um, after that conversation is that I talk to a lot of people, you know, like it's like the best part of my job is I just get to meet and talk to people in our industry. And um, I talk to a lot of people who want to make a change, right? Or a lot of people who feel um, like they don't have a choice, right? They have to make a change. They're put in a situation where um, change is necessary. Uh, but most people don't do it, you know? And like a minute later, you'd made this happen. And that was only two years ago. And um, I mean, a lot has happened for you in two years. So I guess I'm just curious as to like, what was that moment where you're like, I have to jump on this. I have to make this happen. Right. So 
Whew, here I am in Tampa, Florida without a job. And let's all just say it out loud. The beauty industry is not in Tampa, Florida. <laughs> and this is the only career I've ever known. So it really was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I remember being stuck in quarantine and coming across this article from National Geographic. And it was all about the beauty industry. And I remember it was one line in the article that was really like my aha moment. And it cited that in the beauty industry, we go through 120 billion units of unrecyclable plastic a year. And that was the first time I had ever seen or heard that. But I just felt so convicted in that moment. And it was like one of those scenes in a movie where your whole career and your life flashes in front of you and you see yourself as the problem. And I saw myself as exactly that. I mean, never once in the 15 years had I thought about waste or material reduction or plastic consumption or my carbon footprint. It just was never top of mind. Of course, there were whispers of it. And I was paying attention, of course, um, in a head of marketing role. But I just, I think a lot of times in our career, we're sleepwalking or we're on autopilot and we source our components from specific vendors who we have relationships with. And it's the way we've always done it. So we don't question it. Um, formulas, of course, there was a shift into clean, which was sort of new for me. I had never worked on a clean brand before. And sustainability, I knew the world was headed that way, but I felt like I didn't really know how to help. I knew I wanted to help, especially after learning the statistics about our business. But I felt like how I have to imagine a lot of people feel. I, I, I felt helpless in the sense that a lot of times you see these big messages like code red for climate change. Um, all of Florida is going to fall into the ocean or we're running out of space. Our landfills are running out of space. And you just feel like, what, what can I do as a person? And I realized I do have the power. We in the cosmetic business have the power to actually drive meaningful change. It's hard for people to consume sustainable products unless people like me who are in the position of power can actually make change easy and produce products that are easy to consume where they don't have to go out of their way. And for me, that was really the impetus of like, why is he? And I just, I wanted to do something different and I wanted to leave a legacy behind. And even if, um, 25% of our business adopts the Izzy method in the next five to 10 years. Like that would be the dream for me because I know that together we, our voices and our actions really can drive change in a big way. I think a lot of the challenges in our industry and other industries around doing better, I'm just going to classify it as doing better, is that there's, um, there's a lot of areas that need to be addressed, right? So it's waste or like waste reduction, or maybe it is recycling, or maybe it is um, the goop, you know, like how we call, qualify if the goop is okay for the earth, right? So um, there's all these different um, like buckets of change that need to happen. It's really hard to make them all happen all at the same time. So I think what happens is that people just freeze, right? They do nothing, right? Businesses do nothing because it's just the, the hurdles feel too big to climb. So, um, you know, that's what my goal is with this theme this quarter is like little by little, a piece by piece, um, we can make change and make things better. And something that you developed with your brand, like you said, maybe other businesses will um, adopt, right? And then you've just extrapolated, right, that impact. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's okay that there is no perfect here, 
right? That's like a big criticism, right? Well, you're not doing enough. <laughs> you're not doing enough. Or so-and-so is doing this, but they're, you know, they're doing X, but they're not doing Y. And um, that criticism just gets in the way of progress. Yeah. And the truth is, I, I try to always say this out loud to my peers, any step forward is the right direction. So whether you're looking at PCR plastic, if you're working on a new clean standard, or if you're looking to shrink your carbon footprint, like those little baby steps, we can all take them. And, and this is especially important. I understand these bigger brands, these heritage brands, right? It feels a lot harder to change your positioning, but it's not about changing your positioning. It's it's really, it's as easy as your next product launch or your next franchise, your next product franchise. How can we look, relook or reimagine what that product really looks like every gate of the product development process? Because it is these little baby changes, these little finite changes that are going to make a bigger difference. And all of us brands, the indie brands, the startups, to the big brands, the legacy brands that have been around forever, we can all start to make these changes. It's not as daunting as it seems. I want to go a little bit um, deeper into your backgrounds because you've had really fascinating jobs in this industry. So you're in the many spa space and many spa is like where it's at, right? Like yeah. This is just um, a booming part of the business. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of action here. You worked with um, brands on QVC. So I'd love to hear um, what value those roles and experiences gave to you that you're using now as an entrepreneur. Okay. I won't bore you with all the jobs, <laughs> but my for one of my first jobs with, was with Ling Skincare in New York City. She had three outposts, and I remember graduating college and knowing with, from within, I never wanted to work a corporate role. I was sort of like, how can I be hands-on and have the most impact? And I remember <clears throat> walking past one of her spas in Soho and I saw some celebrities hanging out and knew that's exactly where I wanted to be. And I also knew upon graduating FIT that skincare was really going to have a moment and we were about to see a huge shift from color into skincare. And why not work with a celebrity facialist and just understand this new world that I know nothing about? And I also knew that working in such a small space, I could also work directly with the founder and hear everything directly from her mouth. And we did so much together. We took her three shops and turned her into a national brand. We got her distribution into major hotels and cruise ships, and she ended up going international. And to be a part of that growth early on really gave me the confidence to know that I could do this with other bigger brands. So naturally, I started climbing one small family business at a time, putting in a year or two everywhere, um, which I know never looks good on your resume early on. But I wanted to keep that fire and that passion with every job, do something, really change a business from the ground up, and then sort of leave gracefully and on to the next thing. Because again, I always knew I wanted to start my own brand. So all of these series of moments and jobs were really a collection of moments that would ultimately lead me to the ultimate frontier being Izzy. Um, after that, I worked for a very small lipstick brand called Fran Wilson. And I remember we had a few small accounts and, you know, a few of them were, you know, QVC London, um, HSN and Shop NBC. And I remember presenting to the beauty director of Shop NBC. I remember only being like 25 years old. And I'm going through the brand deck because I was the head of marketing. And, you know, mid-presentation, the beauty director was like, you, you need to go on TV. You're the person. You have the personality. 
And I remember looking to my boss and being like, is she serious? <laughs> Me? <laughs> um, and it was in that moment that I got really comfortable um, from the time I was put on TV to sort of be the guest host, um, being able to talk about brands and products in a public setting. And that really gave me the confidence. And it felt like going back to my earlier life where I was a dancer and I was used to being on stage. This is a place that I'm super comfortable in, was performing. And that's exactly what it felt like. So in a weird way, that sense of being a, a performer did come out in other ways, if that makes sense. Um, and then from there, I started my own brand and of course, launched it right around 2008, which was the financial crisis, and um, launched on Shop NBC, and was really excited about it, but could no longer get any funding. And that's something that we learn with startups is that a lot of times that brand fails because you didn't have the proper funding or the proper insights. And as a young entrepreneur, I just didn't know how much money you really needed to play in a bigger retailer like Sephora, for example. Um, so I had to close that brand down. And that time I decided to become a mommy and had two kids back to back. Like I was telling you earlier, just bang those babies out, raise them up to a point where a nanny would be okay to take out, take care of them and went right back into work. And that's when I knocked back on Peter Thomas Roth's store and just, you know, asked like, will you have me back? I don't care in what role, but I'm dying to get back into the business. And he ended up putting me into an international sales role to oversee all of the Sephora's and also Ulta and just grew so much within the Peter Thomas Roth world from sales and then ultimately into head of marketing and then executive director of marketing. Um, we did so many wonderful things together. And I remember people used to say this about Peter is that he's just crazy enough and just innovative enough. And that's what made him successful is that he was always down to try whatever's new or chase whatever trend it was. And we had a lot of fun together. Um, I remember together we launched the product water drenched cloud cream and within five days it sold out worldwide off the shelves, which good and bad thing as we know in business, because it takes a minute to recover inventory wise, but also like, holy moly, what a wild success. And um, after that, I went on to launch a few more franchises with him. And um, I remember, this is crazy. I remember going to see the movie Wonder Woman in New York City. And I get a call from a recruiter telling me that there's a job for a celebrity brand. It would be in skincare. I would stay in skincare. And we're talking, talking, talking. And my recruiter is like, well, <clears throat> I have to tell you who it is. It's Madonna. And... I remember being like, oh my God, <laughs> Madonna, like, oh my gosh, this is huge. And lo and behold, after several interviews, got the job, got to meet her and knew even if that brand lasted two years, that it would be the experience of my life. And it certainly was that. Um, I'll stop talking for a minute because I'm sure you have questions. Well, Shannon, <laughs> um, you know, you led me right into my next question, which is when you worked on MDNA, um, did you have access to Madonna and what kind of access and how involved were, was she in the work that you were doing? So she, I remember my friends didn't believe me because they thought it was so far-fetched, but they would be like, no, who's your boss? And I'd be like, no, like we really answer to Madge herself. <laughs> like actually, like she actually approves every social media post. She actually has to approve every um, lab sample, the name of things, the price of things. I mean, like she's a legit partner. And I remember the first time I met her, um, 
we were actually getting ready to go on set because the thing is with a celebrity of that stature is that you sort of have to take advantage of the in real life moments and maximize them to the 10th power. <laughs> so as in like, if you know you're getting ready to launch, like let's make sure we shoot all the video content up front, her photo shoots, whatever it is, let's make sure we really maximize our time with her. And that's really what was great about her is that like she really rolled up her sleeves and like dove into all of that and was a true partner. Um, but I remember walking into a small room, her children were there, which was like another just insane moment to be amongst her family and she's getting her makeup done. And I remember she just looked me up and down head to toe and I'm standing next to her manager, Sarah, who I'm super close with still. And she looks at me and she's like, <clears throat> do you love my mud mask? And I was like, yes. And she was like, do you put it all over your body? And I was like, one, I don't know what to say. So I was like, literally, what else would I be doing with it? Of course I put it all over my body. And I remember at that moment, she looked at me and she winked. And I think that was like the, you know, like seal of approval with her. Like, okay, I like you. <laughs> I can sit down with you. But it was such a weird, awkward moment that I'll never forget. And But wait, Shannon, there, did you put yeah. the mud mask mm -hmm. all over your body? No. <laughs> of course I didn't. But... If, if Madonna's asking you if you put it over your body, you say yes. You're like, obviously, yes. What else would I be doing with your mud mask? And there's just, there's funny moments. I remember we were getting ready for our first press event and I wanted to take a picture with her just to have that moment of like, we just did this. And I remember looking at her being like, you look really beautiful. I'm excited for this moment with you. And she took my jaw and turned me to the camera. And I still have this picture. I look like a deer in headlights. And she goes, just shut up and look pretty, Shannon. And I was like, <laughs> if you go on my Instagram, just scroll all the way down. That photo's there where she has my, her, my jaw in her hand. And it was just another awkward moment. But that's my life, a series of awkward moments. So there you have it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love these stories. Okay. So this is leading to, like, everything that's always on my mind um, these days, which is, um, you know, running a business or being passionate about work, whether you are, you know, work for someone else or you run a business yourself. And this tension between loving what you do so much that you think about it all the time. Like when you go to bed at night, you have like, I'm sure lists and you wake up in the morning with new lists, but then also, um, the, the other stuff that's in your life that's important to you. Right. So I call this a, the seduction. Like I am like run, my business seduces, growing my business is, is a seduction, right? Like anytime I get a little taste of what my dream coming true, I want more, right? I get hungry for more. So, um, but yet I do not want to be somebody who's sitting at my desk all day long, all night long, right? Like I want to be out and about and do the things that I love beyond work. So I'm curious about if you feel like growing your business is seductive and if it is, um, what do you love about that seduction and how do you, I guess, challenge it and, you know, lean into the other things in your life that are seductive beyond work? Ooh, that is a, that's a hard question, friend. Okay. So <laughs> I will say this out loud. I know for sure there's no such life where you have like the, the balancing, right? The balances of like life and work. I feel like that the weights will never be evenly distributed, but I do feel like now that I have the gift of working from home, that the elements of my life puzzle are fitting together a lot better. So <clears throat> going back to the whole move from um, New York to Tampa is we actually had a home in Connecticut so our kids could go to the school we wanted and I could live uh, next to my in-laws. But I worked in New York City and every day I spent four hours commuting and 
you know, almost eight years went by and I just felt like I didn't know my husband. I didn't know my children. They were being raised by an amazing nanny who I love, but I knew that wasn't the life I wanted. So Tampa was like the easy way for me to jump off my hamster wheel and sort of like dive into the marriage I wanted, the, you know, sense of motherhood that I was really striving for, but also work at the same time. So this move was really like my moment of my life is about to change and I am going to be forever grateful for this moment and like really relish in it, which I am still to this day, two years later. Um, now in terms of the seduction, this is where it gets hard. So being trained as a, as a classical dancer, um, I had this amazing instructor growing up and there was always that like threat of like, if you take a day off or two days off, your body is not going to be as flexible or your range of motion won't be to the extent of which it is today now that you're practicing eight hours a day. And it's a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is I have an amazing work ethic and I love working and I'm that person who puts my kids on the school bus. I start working at 6.30 in the morning and I don't end until 11. I'm not bragging about it because it's not normal and it's not good. Um, at the same time, what I will say as a CEO and founder of a company, I've been working really hard on my own mental health because I know if I'm not okay, then my staff is going to feel it and they're not going to feel okay. So what I am trying to do more and more is one, just take those moments in the morning to like light a cozy candle, do some yoga or a Peloton ride, and then I'll dive into work. Or I also make it a point to check in with my staff so they know like we're so much more than just a work family, we're family family. So how are you? Like checking in with my staff. But the most interesting part of COVID is that a lot of things happen for everyone. Sickness happened, but also babies were born. And two of, <clears throat> actually three, three of the people on the Izzy staff actually ended up having COVID babies. And it was good for all of us because I think we all learned to work with each other and collaborate on each other's schedules and Sometimes that may be 6.30 in the morning, which may sound crazy, but um, we have a shoestring staff and we're all parents of uh, children at younger ages and that's when we're awake and working. So it's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. And I think it, it really is about like embracing balance on that level is just making sure that we all feel like our cup is full at the end of the day. And if anyone is feeling drained, that they know they have a direct line to me and a platform to speak and feel their feelings. And I'm there for them. I um. You said cup, and I have a bucket system. Um, I, like, visualize buckets, you know, like, buckets that you wash the car with. And I have, like, my work bucket in my, in my visualization. I have my fitness bucket. I have my Real Housewives Bravo TV bucket. I have spontaneous time with my kids bucket, um, dates with my husband bucket. And I, like, listen to my body and think about, like, which bucket feels low, Right. If I'm feeling something, it means like probably one of the buckets is low, which one's low. And then I like visualize going to it and then I like actively fill it up. Right. So um, like the spontaneous time with the kids when I purposely say spontaneous time with my kids and not just time with my kids, because, yes, like I'm making breakfast or dinner or, or shuttling them around. But that's not always like the quality time I'm craving. Right. Like spontaneous time is just picking up, going for a hike, picking up, going on a trip, like whatever, you know, something mm -hmm. that can be silly and fun. So I just like make that happen, fill that bucket up because I can't, um, I can't be like filling those buckets up all the time, right? Like I just have to listen to my body mm -hmm. um, and what my heart and my head is saying. So um, cup bucket, I feel like it's the same thing, <laughs> same system. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. It's like having awareness of that because 
being a pressure cooker is really hard. As in like, I think we've all been there where it's like all of a sudden it's like layers of problems. And then all of a sudden you explode and you have this crazy moment where you're just like, I can't do this. And it's a 50 car pile up of all your problems. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. That's what I'm trying to avoid for our team right now. And when that does happen, I, that means we really need to slow down and sit still for a minute and let the dust settle. Shannon, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. I loved this conversation. Me too. It's been so good. It has filled my cup (laughs) in my bucket. (laughs) And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Shannon. Please subscribe to our series on your favorite podcast app. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.